2: the story. And My wife tells me that one by one all of the organs were shutting down come around 4, 4.30 that afternoon everything had shut down, you know kidneys had failed, everything had basically shut down and blood pressure was at such a low uh, the surgeon Lee Rutherford was speaking to my wife and my youngest son and saying to them that uh, your father has got uh, 20 minutes to live
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, it's easy to think that you don't need God when you're a successful businessman. But as Wayne Marshall found out, life doesn't always go as we expect it to. After being diagnosed with esophageal cancer, Wayne's life was turned upside down. But Wayne can look back now and see how it was actually just the beginning of a whole new journey. Today, he'll share how the power of prayer helped him through the most difficult time of his life as he has a chat with Karen Hunt.
1: Wayne, I'm amazed at what I've been hearing from you here in this cafe this morning. I mean, the fact that you are alive and well is pretty miraculous in itself. But before we get to the current story or what happened particularly 12 years ago, let's just rewind your early days, Presley, Marshall, born and bred. Tell us about those days in New Zealand.
2: Okay, young uh, young Kiwi lad with uh, good Christian parents, um, and my father used to do the odd bit of preaching. Uh, most probably, what was on my mind in those days was, uh, uh, did I uh, need to go to church in the morning? Sunday school put a bits of cake and a bit of sponge in my pockets and uh, uh, I would run home with my brother, run two lampposts, walk one and uh, really had no intentions of uh, being there too long or too far and uh, gradually drifted away and uh, eventually going into business with um, not even a thought or a priority uh, in a list of a thousand uh, with God in it. Even though asked by some very close friends, you know, would you like to come along to church, Wayne? Yes, 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 I'll do that. But I was too busy with those, uh, doing those things as I would know now of, of the flesh, and uh, I was more excited about uh, making money, meeting people, and uh, being very popular and a centre of attraction and everything like that. So, so as a child, were you entrepreneurial way back then, and where particularly?
1: Marker,
2: where specifically was this? Okay, well, I was uh, I was born in the, the middle of uh, New Zealand and top of the South Island in Nelson, New Zealand. Uh, I wouldn't say I was entrepreneurial, but I dare say we all uh, we all have a purpose in life. So, uh, at that early age, I was most probably more frightened of my uh, my brother. I'd say he was the entrepreneurial one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the roles have most probably changed uh, over those years and. Uh, Yes, now um, uh, I would say, I dare say, I am only what God has determined me to be and uh, at the moment very, very blessed.
1: Did you have a close family growing up? Was your brother older or younger than you?
2: No, I didn't. I don't believe I had a close family relationship, although my parents only wanted the right things in, in, in life for me.
1: Wayne, how old were you when you left New Zealand and where did you go to first?
2: Okay, um, I would have been uh, 20 years of age when I, when I left New Zealand. My father at that stage had retired and uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, be given the inside info that there was a Swedish-American liner coming into Wellington and someone had jumped ship and would I like to work my way on it. So uh, uh, without too much thought, within five days I was on the liner and uh, away overseas. So that went, uh, yeah, where most probably would be easier to say where it didn't go um, but uh, just about just about everywhere, and yeah some experiences, but maybe uh, stories for for another time. But I signed off eventually in La Havre, in France, about uh, eight nine months later. Um, spent some time in the UK, then went across to there, uh, from there to Jersey and the Channel Islands for six weeks before I was going to return home, and left there eight years later with a French wife, trunk full of souvenirs, and about thirty pounds sterling.
1: So all of a sudden, as a young man, the world's your oyster. Away you go. A whole new door opening to life experience. Yourself and Anik, tell us how you met.
2: I was working on a crop farm in in Jerseys, as uh, all young lads who didn't have much experience with anything else would do, Um, and uh, Annick was actually staying and at certain times living over there. Her parents had separated, and she was living with her father and her uh, mother and sisters, and that uh, were were in France. So um, Annick had been pretty much from five or six years of age, uh, brought up in France, hence uh, she doesn't have a, a French accent, Karen, but uh, speaks French and talks with the sisters and that every day. So I met, my mother came over uh, for the wedding, and uh, yeah, so uh, then we, uh, we worked and we left Jersey and the Channel Islands um, instead of uh, six weeks later, I think it was about seven or eight years later, and came back. And
1: came back to where?
2: Originally uh, we came back to uh, New Zealand and uh, Annie uh, lived over there for about 30 odd years I think it was and then we were coming backwards and forwards uh, to Australia and we were living pretty much the high life uh, and not too worried about least of all not worried about God, because he wasn't in really in my plans. it would have been too hard for me, I thought. Um, so we lived a great life, um, and we had a lot of ups and downs, maybe ups, and uh, we uh, were making uh, an awful lot of money and we uh, were very, very blessed in our own right, but nothing that stayed with us through the rest of our life.
1: Here you were experiencing a better lifestyle in your mind. Tell us what happened next in your health journey
2: okay came across to uh, Australia um, spent most probably about the first nine months uh, just uh, wondering if uh, Australia was right for me um, and of course while you're not working and uh, uh, you can't really ascertain if uh, it's right or not because every holiday is a great holiday and I was just having a holiday but we then started to uh, work and I went into uh, real estate investment real estate um, and uh, it was at uh, that particular time when I was working actually on the Gold Coast in, in Surfer's Paradise and uh, I'd had a bit of trouble um, uh, swallowing and uh, had a bit of trouble with uh, just throat and I was limited to soft foods like yogurts and that so I decided I'd, I'd procrastinated for about three months and I decided I'd go to a local doctor which I hadn't been uh, attending at all and uh, have, a, have a bit of a checkup. Um, it was 10 o'clock uh, one Wednesday morning and uh, he said to me, uh, I want you to go uh, back to work. I want you to come back at 2 o'clock. And as I was walking out the door, he said to me, uh, I think you've got cancer. And I'm like, wow. I went back and big grown man had a bit of a blub on one of my mate's shoulders um, at uh, at work. But I should actually just pop back three or four weeks before that. Because three or four weeks before that is most probably the very most important thing that had ever happened in my life thus far. A lovely lady, Anna Barker, was uh, running an investment division for Ray White and Surface Paradise, and she said to Annika, my wife, we were both working there, so uh, tell me, guys, when are you coming to church? And uh, for some reason I turned around without hesitation and said, well, what about Sunday? I can still see the look on her face now with her mouth wide open and her eyes falling out went to church, uh, this church called uh, Reach Out for Christ in, in Carrara on the Gold Coast. Um, many people have a story, how they get touched and what they did. They had an altar call. Um, Annick, my wife and I, were up on the altar call and Annick was seven or eight people one way and I was the other way and I didn't know how we both there. We gave our lives for, uh, to Christ that, uh, that day and uh, that was my life, just changed ever since.
1: And is that the first time you'd ever really heard of the need to be a born-again Christian?
2: In my mind, I never had a need. Um, I I was able to do all things and as far as Christianity goes uh, or religion if anyone spoke to me about that I I would suggest they go to places like Ireland and places like that and sort it out it wasn't for me, it wasn't in my world and as far as I knew there would even though people had asked me about going to church for over over the years I, I really had no intention of doing it I was too busy doing what I was doing for myself and loving every minute of it and thought I was meant to be doing what I was doing
1: so what change did that have in the lives of yourself and Annick at that time?
2: Um, initially, and, and, and it, it just happened in a way that uh, it just felt so right and it just felt so good. Uh, I, as I said, I didn't know why I was, how, how I even got up there, but I knew that I'd done the right thing. And it's all very timely. God doesn't force his way into our lives. He, he will wait for us to ask. We have, we have a life of free choice to follow him or not follow him. And uh, at that particular time, I had taken up on a choice uh, to, uh, to follow Christ.
1: So you just said before, you made that decision, you made that choice, and then three weeks later, you're suddenly told you have cancer. What happened next?
2: Everything with what I was told and what was about to take place, um, this doctor said, look, you have a... When I went back to see him at 2 o'clock, he said, Wayne, um, you have esophageal cancer, um, 50% don't make it to the operating table. The 50% that do don't see a year out. We now, it is extremely aggressive. We have to move very quickly and he had made appointments as early as that afternoon for me to go and start my chemo to start all of the things I needed um, uh, to get on with it. So the journey was that quick and that fast. I really didn't go into much thought at all. Had the esophageal cancer operation, and praise the Lord, absolutely fine
0: You're listening to the story Today Wayne Marshall is sharing his experiences with Karen Hunt and what a journey he's been on so far We've just heard how he's had a successful operation for esophageal cancer but this isn't where the story ends. Next we'll find out how his situation becomes even more dire before finally turning around. That and more when we return if this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for we'd love to pray for you call 1800 pray for me that's 1800 772 936 it's a free call or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with Wayne Marshall chatting to Karen Hunt. And as we heard before the break, Wayne was diagnosed with esophageal cancer and had just undergone life-threatening surgery. But unfortunately, this isn't where his medical troubles would end.
2: Had the operation and uh, everything was fine. But what happened? And now I understand how the enemy does work in people. Four weeks after that operation, I felt I wake up one morning and I felt I had a need for a change of medication. Just wasn't feeling 100%. My son, my eldest son and my wife repeatedly rang the doctor who was saying to them, just get him into A&E. We since found out later he was saying, and meaning, get an ambulance, get him into A&E. But procrastinators or whatever, about two hours later... Uh, arrived at uh, at, at A&E and got into A&E and poof, that was uh, was basically the end of me and that was a journey that day that I knew nothing of and my wife and and friends tell me, and my wife tells me that they spent uh, all that day uh, one by one all of the organs were shutting down and all of the tests they were doing were coming back and saying I was absolutely fine. And if that isn't the enemy at work, I don't know what could be. Come around 4, 4.30 that afternoon, everything had shut down. Uh, you know, kidneys had failed, everything had basically shut down. And blood pressure was at such a low, uh, the surgeon, Lee Rutherford, was speaking to my wife and my youngest son and saying to them that uh, your father has got uh, 10 minutes to uh, 20 minutes to live and your husband, um, and there was nothing that could be happened. But Annie, in the meantime, had been spirit-led, I'm sure, to call the church, to call C3 Kurumban that we were then attending um, and asked them to pray, and they also sent people into the hospital. And with raised hands and praying with a lot of authority, There, we were to experience uh, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the power of prayer that has a a strong element of faith behind a a, a phenomenal church at C3 in Curumlin.
1: Wayne, you were just telling us about that one particular day. You say that God was actually directing traffic the day you were staring death in the face, but you beat it. What exactly did that look like? How did you beat it?
2: I beat it through morphine. And as you've said, the grace and power of God. Um, and uh, what a gracious God he is. And he answers the, uh, the prayer of, of, of the faithful. And uh, the church that we're attending was faithful. But it goes back to, in that 20 minutes to live, where my wife and I, um had a conversation, I understand, with Lee Rutherford, the surgeon, who said there was no possibility to um, to operate uh, because blood pressure was too low and everything had shut down. And in that time of that prayer, of that very powerful prayer uh, must have been, there was a lift in the blood pressure, still not enough in Lee Rutherford's eyes to operate, but it was enough for my wife to be very forceful with Lee and said I believe there's nothing to lose I want you to operate in fact I'm instructing you to operate and Lee made that decision and operated only to find that uh, in behind uh, my rib cage was a very very large abscess and I'd contracted staph and septicemia when I had the operation this uh, septicemia had caused this abscess that was poisoning the blood and basically shutting the system down. And that burst out of me. I think his exact words, time later, was Wayne, I have never moved so far, so quickly back from a body uh, when it's been opened. Um, and that ri- literally just burst out of you.
1: I can only imagine, <laughs> I can only imagine your church family how are they able to rally alongside you and support you and your wife and
2: family? I, I think in the body of Christ, um, there is something, there are so many things that you can share uh, when you're in the body of Christ with others that are in the body of Christ. And there is, there is an understanding of, uh, of Christians between each other and just the support and everything that is about it that is just so different. And, of course, it is, it is encouragement that we all need on our journey, particularly when we are on a journey to tell our story of how uh, impacting it's been on our own life and not even realising the lives of others that it can impact. And I hope this is what this is all about, um, impacting others' lives, not mine.
1: Wayne, amidst this challenge time... Did you ever have the tempting thoughts of giving up? Was it ever too much for you to bear?
2: The direct answer to that question is I did uh, sit in a lazy boy chair, which was my bed at the time after the operation, and, uh, well, I've had a pretty good life. And, uh, you know, if this is it and and it's now over, you know, I've given my life to Christ, uh, um, yeah, most probably everything's good. But it wasn't until um, about two or three months after that, that I recalled, and this is the first time I'm ever sharing this, and that I prayed a prayer even though I didn't have faith or anything. When I was back in New Zealand, I prayed a prayer. I was a very big man and it was around the time of that operation and uh, I I, I remember this prayer and and God, whatever it is, I want to lose weight. I want to be a bigger person and if it takes an operation or a close-to-life experience, bring it on. And they were basically my words. So I would say to anyone today, understand that we do have a God. And if you're praying and you're believing and have a half expectancy, God answers prayers. And I had a prayer answered that was right on the brink. But, and there's always a but, isn't there? But, But God, but God pulled me through through not me, but the power of that prayer, the prayer of power of the faith of the church, and because he is a merciful and gracious God. So you obviously didn't give up. Hey. No, I didn't give up. And uh, I'd like to think uh, and, and know that uh, we all have the Holy Spirit in it, and that's a gift that uh, a gift that we have. And when you're told, and I, I was told, that you would never, ever walk more than three kilometers in your life, I certainly prayed about that. And I didn't accept that. And I started walking maybe 10, 20 paces a day. And... Within a year, I was walking 10K.
1: Wayne, to conclude our conversation, perhaps someone's listening right now, whether they're in metro or regional Australia, rural or remote Australia. Perhaps they've never heard the gospel message. Can you tell us, in your own words, why should someone choose to become a follower of Jesus and how can they go about it?
2: In Deuteronomy It says, today I give you free choice to follow me or not to follow me. So we understand that Christ gave his life on the cross and we have a choice whether we follow him or we prefer to be of the flesh and follow the enemy. In other words, to be governed by the devil in our lives. To me, that is no choice, a no-brainer. Simply Follow Christ is the way to go. And to do that, a very, very simple prayer that was given to me some 12 years ago um, by um, Pastor Eric Harrison of C3 in Currumbin. And if you'd like to accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge I have committed sins against you I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me on the basis of Jesus, payment for my sin through his death on the cross. I give my life over to you through choosing to follow you, Jesus Christ, and the rest of my life from this day on. Now I confess he is my Lord and Saviour. Amen. Now how difficult was that? And if you didn't, Decide right at this minute Christ will never push his way it's up to you to want to come and follow Jesus Christ and if that is something that you would like to do this church this amazing, amazing church of God that I attend is C3C in Corumban and its prayer link or its website is c3c.org.au Make a choice to follow Christ today. That will be the most important and the best choice ever of your life. And I'd love to speak to you on a personal basis if you'd like to.
1: And God bless you too, Wayne. And again, if anyone wants to make contact with you or to find out more about your journey, the website c3c.org. AU is the place to go. Or maybe there's a local church in your own area, wherever you are in this great country of ours. There are fantastic local Christian churches in every single city, every single town, every single community. Go check it out. Wayne, thank you so much for your honesty. Thanks so much for your time. And I sincerely pray God's continuous blessing and favour upon your life. And uh, I know you have a particular Reggio plate on your car with one particular word what is that you want to share
2: it's favor f-a-v-o-r and i think it's a it's a phenomenal door opener when people said favor i wish i had favor because it is a nice car i must add too Uh, but at the end of the day um, i've had that for a number of years now and i believe i am under favor of the most high god and that comes from obedience and just uh wanting and being so hungry and passionate for that walk with Christ.
1: And that's available for all. Wayne, again, thank you so much.
0: God bless.
2: And God bless you too, Karen. Thanks for the time.
0: That was Karen Hunt chatting with Wayne Marshall about his incredible story of overcoming serious medical issues through the power of prayer. What an amazing church family Wayne has been blessed with. It's a great reminder that we can always call on others to pray for us, especially in times of need, and we can pray for others as well. If you'd like someone to pray with, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And we'd love to pray for you at 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for Wayne's Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story.
2: I always had the view, which I I still have, is that whatever you do in life, you know, if you follow Christ, if you know Jesus as Saviour, and you know it's all true, you know, you're not just following a man made religion, you've you've had your heart illumined and you've discovered the truth of the Word of God, that you have to be open to the
0: leading of God and to wherever He wants to take you. And so I've always had the view that, you know, especially with paid uh, pastoral ministry, if the call came, I would always take time to pray about it and seek His will. As a journalist, Darren Burnett was surrounded by bleak news that he described as soul-crushing. Eventually, he decided to make a career change. We'll find out about the struggles he's faced as a Christian journalist and about his new life as a pastor next time. The The Story, just another way vision is connecting faith to life.